Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, September 24th, 2021, and it's good to have you with us. I see a few of you checking in already. Michael, Gus and Eileen, Karen, Grace, Don and Karen. Good to have you. Uh, those of you who are watching live, also those of you who catch this later in the day um, or listen to the podcast version, it's a joy to provide this for you. Uh, let's see, announcements before we begin. Uh, it's kind of a busy time. We've got, uh, got a lot of work to get done today here at school yet, podcast to record, and also uh, finish setting up the, uh, as best I can, at least for Sunday, the sound system and uh, um, streaming. Hopefully get that all going. Uh, right now, I don't have a way, I haven't gotten the music to play yet. <laughs> so since we don't have an organist on Sunday, uh, that's kind of critical. So I hopefully I can get to that. But also uh, tomorrow's the fall festival at here in Random. And I'll be having a coffee booth there for better or for worse. Also the school and church will be represented right next door. So come and visit us there tomorrow. Um, but that also means I need to roast a bunch of coffee for the show tomorrow or for the festival. So and somewhere along the line, finish preparing for Sunday. So <laughs> it's one of those days, but so it is. All right. Today, our catechesis is going to look at uh, David's, well, probably most notorious act as king. Uh, and it's really the first thing that we find out about. You know, we just had yesterday him caring for Mephibosheth. And then just two chapters later, we have his affair with Bathsheba. So that's what we'll be looking at today. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. Say it again. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. On our psalm, Psalm 125, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The first reading today is a continuation of St. Paul's letter to Titus, now chapter 2. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love, and patience. 
The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to too much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrines showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deeds, deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort, rebuke, with all authority, let no one despise you. All right, again, as we talked about yesterday, <clears throat> so the same today, um, this might seem a little bit antiquated, I suppose, um, backwards thinking, whatever. But you note that there's a key phrase in here that probably caught your ear too, right here in verse five, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. All right. So when he's commending women to behave in such a way, uh, older women, and then also they instructing the younger women, it's all that the word of God not be blasphemed. All right. And so um, how is being obedient to her husband, being discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, teaching, loving their husbands, loving their children, is that, how is that what God's word teaches? Well, love your neighbor as yourself, but of course, the sixth commandment, honor marriage, um, and all the rest of the teaching on how to raise, how, how to take care of one's home. Um, I suppose the reason why this seems antiquated, same with the young men, is that you have, uh, you have kind of a classical worldview, but you also have, you know, dis- discreet identities for male and female. Yeah, may not be reviled. That's a good word too. So you have these traditional, I guess what we call traditional gender roles. And uh, huh, that's not so popular today. Of course, gender itself has um, become kind of taboo. We can't even talk about male, female as distinct categories um, and with nothing in between when they're told that gender is a spectrum. Not according to God's word, not according to the way he made us, uh, and as he's revealed himself to us. So, uh, and to go against that is to revile God's word, is to be disobedient to God's word, and actually to blaspheme it, to speak against it, not just by words, but by actions. I think that's the key there, again, as we talked about yesterday, um, is that the Christian church, um, if it is going to be faithful to its witness, it's going to live uh, according to God's word, and where it falls short, it's going to live in repentance. Right, and make that repentance quite public and obvious, you know, where, where it has sinned publicly and obviously. Right? Um, and then the word is not blasphemed. Right? It's only blasphemed when we refuse to repent or when we refuse to live according to the word. Good. Our reading then for catechesis, as mentioned, is uh, David's affair with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. 
but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live, as the Lord, your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. At the evening he went out to lie on his bed in the servants of his Lord, with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah, and he wrote in the letter, saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. So it was, when Joab besieged the city, that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises, and he says to you, Why do you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech the son of Jerubasheth? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall, so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Mm -hmm. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab has sent by him. And the messenger said, said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field, that we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. And so encourage him. All right, so catechesis. What was David doing wrong by remaining in Jerusalem? Well, as the narrator uh, writer lets us know, this was the time when kings go out to battle uh, with their men in in the spring, right? But David remained at Jerusalem. So how did his sin start? Well, by forsaking his own 
responsibility, I suppose, is king. Fourth commandment, right? He disrespected the honor, uh, the authority that God had given him, the honor that was due him. So he dishonored his own office. Um, And how did the sin then continue? He's walking about on the roof of his house, watching Bathsheba take a bath from the roof of his palace, which of course then is a violation of which commandment? Tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, right? Which is directly connected then also to David's actions to follow. The sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery, which deals with lust in the heart, does it not? Jesus teaches about this and of course, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, um, but also Matthew 15, where he talks about out of the heart come all manner of wickedness, right? Matthew 15, 17. Yeah, are you still not with, without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man? For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries. There we go. Fornications as well. Thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. All right. So evil thoughts and actions spring from evil hearts. You'll note what time of day it is. Verse 2. It's the evening. It's the evening. Now, sin often is correlated to the, to the evening or to darkness in the scriptures. What did David do after seeing the woman? Well, he sent someone to inquire of her, of course. Uh, and who was she? Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, right? What did uh, David do next? Sent more messengers to come and take her, right? And then, um, of course, what happened when they brought her to David? Yeah, he slept with her, right? And again, we have this note about her being cleansed of her impurity, uh, which of course is referring to the Levitical law, and it's talking about um, Bathsheba's monthly cycle, right? So this is showing that she could not have been pregnant by Uriah previously because she's recently had 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 her period, right? And she had um, gone through the, the ritual cleansing at the temple after that, right? Another way of indicating she's fertile, right? Did you anyone know about David's sin with Bathsheba? Yeah, all these messengers did, right? And the ones that brought her brought her to him. Uh, not surprising. What message does she send to David? I am with child, right? That she was pregnant. Uh, what did David try to do? This is really a way to describe all of his actions here moving forward. This is what happens when your sin is exposed. You try to cover it up, right? Not atone for it cover it with the forgiveness of sins, but rather to atone for it with, your, with more actions, right? So here he invites Uriah home from battle. You see that in verse 6, right? And there's some chit-chat, and then he inv- invites Uriah to go home, go down to your house and wash your feet, um, expecting him then to sleep with Bathsheba. It's all about timing, roughly, plus or minus nine months, etc., etc., right? See how this will go. Although, um, it's been at least, what, a month probably at this point, maybe two. So I don't know if the timeline's going to work out so well. So even the way that we cover up our sin is kind of um, what you want to say. Um, confusing. But I suppose he figures that Uriah then will go back to battle, lose track of time, etc. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but why did Uriah not go to his home? He says, 
Yeah, because the men are encamped in the open field, sleeping in tents, so why would I um, go home to sleep in my house, right? So there he's honoring his vocation as soldier, right? How many times does David try to get Uriah to go home to his wife? Yeah, twice. He gets him drunk and thinking that's going to work. That still doesn't work. He sleeps outside with the servants. All right, so so Uriah's going to go back to war. And what does David do to Uriah when he goes back to war? Verse 14 there, he writes a letter to Joab. All right, so now he's got getting Joab involved, putting Uriah at the front line where the fighting was the fiercest, right? Where there was the valiant men, the hottest battle. And then Joab is commanded, again, just as Bathsheba lays with David under David's command. Now Joab, under David's command, is going to put Uriah in harm's way, um, certainly, to have him killed. So who knew that David has killed Uriah? Now, Joab, right? Which commandment then is being broken here? We've already had um, the 6th and the 10th. We've also had the 8th. He's destroyed or he's betrayed and and, um, sought to destroy Uriah's reputation. This would be the fifth commandment here, right? Having Uriah murdered. What word does David send to Joab when he heard about Uriah's death? Look at this. It's it's a really curious expression. Let's see if I can find it here. David concerning the word, charged him as you finished telling them. Why did you approach the city? Tell me Uriah. Uh, what word did David send? Trying to find it. When you have finished, oh, that Joab back to David, huh? Told David all that Joab had sent. David said, "Ah, uh, here we go. Surely the men prevailed." That's right, verse twenty-five. Ah, this is what I'm looking for right there. Thus you shall say to Joab, "Thank you. I didn't scroll far enough." Verse twenty-five. Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. That's what I was looking for right there. Yeah. Um, The sword devours one as well as another. Well, of course, Uriah had something to do with that. Um, But this idea about the sword, this is going to be, we're going to bring this up on Monday when we get um, Nathan's confrontation calling David to repentance, right? Is that Nathan actually says or pronounces the curse of God for David's actions, the consequence of David's actions is that he says the sword will never depart from David's house. This is very similar to the Pharisees and scribes, the Jews, uh, when Jesus crucified, his blood be on us and on his children. They mean it one way, and then it's used against them actually, or for them in that case. This, the sword devours one as well as another. David's actually telling the truth about what's going to happen in his own household, and we're going to hear about that over the next few weeks. Um, at this point, does David see his guilt? Nope. And you think he's gotten away with it? He thinks, yeah, maybe with a little bit of uh, using his command authority as king. Uh, he thinks he's gotten away with it. Pretty confident. Yeah, strengthen him, encourage him. The deed is done. Now we can move on, right? Hmm. Who always sees? God. By grace, God chooses sinners to be his people. Faith is never a guarantee that a man will not sin. Faith is the life of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. This is a story about how sin attacks the faithful. David saw something, or in this case someone, when he, which whom he then coveted. Sin comes forth from the heart of man and leads to committing the action. Thus David confesses in Psalm 51, In sin did my mother conceive me. Of course, Psalm 51 composed after 
uh, being called to repentance by Nathan. All right, we confess the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Eighth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins of stealing and strengthen our faith in Jesus so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins of giving false testimony against our neighbor and strengthen our faith in Jesus so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything about him in the kindest way. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pray the collect. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord of mercy. Pray in Thanksgiving with Bill, who celebrates his birthday. We also pray for the households of our church, especially this week for Jerry and Marla, Sean, Jennifer, Isaac, Shirley, Ron and Janet, our homebound, excuse me, our, all those who are sick, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Amanda, Dan, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, Kathy, Mike and Kay, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Mickey, LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We ask the Lord to give and increase amongst us chastity. And we also pray with Bill as he death, grieves the death of his wife Janice, and also Willis as he grieves for Janice. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you have kept me this day from sin also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Got my wires crossed there on the prayer. Seems to happen pretty frequently. So it is. Um, Anyway, let's sing our hymn, Beautiful Savior.
Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. I hope it's been a blessing to you and can, will continue to be as each day we work through God's Holy Word um, so that we may hear, um, read, learn, inwardly digest that through patience and comfort of God's Word, uh, we would be strengthened for today and for the days ahead. All right. So uh, we'll be with you again tomorrow morning. Hopefully I can pre-record that because I'll be a little bit busy in the morning. Um, to pray and consider the Old Testament and epistle readings for Sunday. Um, maybe have some devotional readings on them so that uh, you'll be better equipped to hear about the themes of that day. All right, so Lord be with you all, keep you safe, and we'll see you in the morning.